This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 272. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. This time on the show, we talk with Mr. Philip Duff. He's been on the show several times. I caught up with Philip after a great seminar he put on about Irish whiskey, sponsored by Napogue Castle Irish Whiskey, which is a great brand. I recommend you seek some of that out and give it a try. That's Napogue with a K, K-N-O-P-P-O-G-E. Good stuff. Irish whiskey's had such a tumultuous history. Uh, there was the rise and fall of Irish whiskey, and right now another great rise or resurgence. We'll get into some of this with Philip during the interview, but obviously we didn't cover everything that he spoke about in the seminar, so there was a few points I wanted to make. At one point, Irish whiskey was the most popular spirit in the world, believe it or not, uh, outselling all other categories. But the fall of Irish whiskey, where they went somewhere from about 80 distilleries in, in the early 1800s to about 40, and eventually to only two licensed distilleries, was due to many factors like a, like a perfect storm. Here's just a few of the things that happened. A guy named Father Matthew got about half the population of Ireland, which was about 4 million people at the time, to sign a no-drinking pledge. Then the potato famine in about 1845, 1846, reduced the population of Ireland by half. In, 18, in 1916, the Easter Rising was sort of a civil war where English soldiers were getting shot in Ireland. So the English, who were uh, very drank a lot of Irish whiskey in the past, at this point they were not so excited about supporting Irish products at all. Then, of course, came Prohibition in the U.S. beginning on January 17th, 1920. So uh, a lot of and some other factors as well went into the uh, the downfall of Irish whiskey. So that's the ba- bad news about the downfall. But what about this relatively recent resurgence of Irish whiskey? Well, it could be argued that the Ar- Irish coffee had a, a very big role in the resurgence of Irish whiskey, according to w- Wikipedia. Quote. The Irish coffee was a huge success and became an airport specialty. In 1952, the Irish coffee was introduced to the United States by travel writer Stanton Deplain. He brought it to the attention of Jack Nopler, a bartender at the Buena Vista Hotel in San Francisco, and persuaded him to recreate it, end quote. Then in the 1960s, the first bottle of Irish whiskey labeled Jameson was released. This whiskey had been made before, but it was sourced out to make other brands. But a huge marketing push was put into Jameson, and as Philip said in the seminar, it's going to be cheap, it'll be in every bar, and people will do shots of it. And that sure worked to this day. I think you'll find a bottle of Jameson in every bar in America anyway. And uh, But that allowed them to, with that money, they would take some quality Irish whiskey, lay it down, start aging it, and uh, great, became great, great aged Irish whiskey after some time had passed. So that's a, that's a short history of Irish whiskey as I understand it. And fast forwarded to now, there's about 40 licensed distilleries in Ireland. I visited three just a month or so ago. So hopefully you're exploring the wonderful world of Irish whiskey outside of that one particular bottle in your well. There's a lot to learn and a lot of delicious whiskeys to taste. Our sponsor this week is Cake POS and Management System from Cisco. Yes, that's Cisco with an S, where your bar or restaurant may purchase a whole bunch of food and supplies. Making a good cocktail is all about finding the perfect balance, and running your bar is the same way. You want to be successful, and you'll also need to cultivate an atmosphere and a balance in your life. Cake is the point-of-sale system that lets bar and restaurant owners focus on the guest experience. Stop working about tracking every sale. Cake does that for you. You can automatically save information and review it later from anywhere. That means the manager or owner maybe can actually take a day off or two, which is pretty rare in this business. So no matter where you are, you can check 
check in on daily reports and you'll know they'll be up to date. To get started with Cake, check out trycake.com slash bartender. For our podcast listeners, you can get $750 off the activation fee at that link. That's a 75% discount. And with that discount, you get a user-friendly point-of-sale solution that includes cloud reporting and world-class 24-7 support. So take a look at trycake.com slash bartender. For our listeners, you get 75% off the activation fee. Get your own piece of cake. Cake makes restaurant management easy. So we'll talk with Philip Duff in just a moment, but I need to point out that in between the time I recorded the interview with him and the time this episode is being released, it was announced that Philip Duff has stepped down from his position as education director for Tales of the Cocktail. That's a position he held since 2019. He did oversee the seminars for 2019, and he also helped choose the new education committees, which as a group will replace Philip's previous position. This is an excerpt from a Facebook post by Philip. Quote, I'd like to give the excellent new education committees the room to continue to make seminars at Tales of the Cocktail the global benchmark without me lurking around. It's their time now. End quote. He goes on to say how he wants to spend more time with his family and on his own businesses, which include Old Duff Geneva and Liquid Solutions, which he describes as an on-trade education agency. Philip isn't going away, and he says in his post that he will continue to see us at Tales. Philip is a great friend to the show, to me personally, and to the entire industry. Tales is lucky to have had him in an official capacity for so long, and the bartending community is lucky to have his contribution to our industry. Cheers, Mr. Duff. Well, we're here with Mr. Philip Duff, again, on the podcast. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Pleasure to see you again. And uh, thanks for this event. This was so fun. Your uh, history of Irish whiskey was just perfect today. It was just... I learned so much from you today. Oh, thank Please. you. It's close to my heart, obviously, being Irish. Yeah. And there's a lot of history that's missed out. There's a lot of history that is sort of misrepresented. And there's a lot of history that is just flat out missing from people's knowledge. So I try to fill that in. It's a great story. And the Napole Castle story is a great story, too. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, tell, if you could sum it up, I mean, it, this was, what, an hour you talked about it. But, you know, if you could sum it up in a few in minutes. In a minute, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, no <laughs> worries, mate. Five minutes, ten minutes, no. whatever you want. Well, it's a, it's a castle dating to the 1400s that was derelict. And when he was 66, a rich Texas oil man visited Ireland with his wife, who was an award-winning architect, and they saw the castle. And like good rich Texans, they bought it and did it up. And in the course of that, he began to love Irish whiskey. He bought barrels, barrels of 36-year-old Irish whiskey and drank it and gave it away. And eventually his son thought, you know what, we could actually maybe make a business out of this. And he came to America, came back to America, and started selling it as Napoe Castle Irish Whiskey. And that's what brings us to Napoe Castle Single Malt Irish Whiskey today. It's such a great story. It's a great story. You know, I often get this question when I'm behind, behind the bar, what's the difference between Irish Whiskey and Scotch Whiskey? And it's a, it's a difficult question, but I'd love to hear your, your take on that. I mean, obviously, whiskey was invented in Ireland, yeah. and Irish whiskey was the best whiskey in the world, and that means the Irish invented single malt, and they also invented the uniquely Irish-style single pot still. We have malt and unmalted barley. So, uh, What does that mean exactly? It means you have malted and unmalted barley. Right. So single malt is only malted barley from a single distillery. So Napoe Castle is an example of that. Right. You know, and I think most people know what Scotch single malts are. But... Single pot still means you have malted and unmalted barley. So to be clear, the Poe Castle is single malt Irish whiskey, and that's a really rare category these days. There's not many of them left. There's the Poe Castle, there's the whiskey they make at the distillery that makes the Poe Castle, Bushmills, and then there's really not many more. So it's kind of a unicorn and very much the better for it. The The short answer is, Brian, that every kind of whiskey that you can make 
they're making it in Scotland and in Ireland. They're making yeah. new make, they're making blends, single malts, luxury stuff. Right. So the question is really not what's the difference, but what's your preference? Because mm-hmm. they are both now excellent. Well, listen, Irish whiskey was, until very, very recently, all single malt or pure pot still. It was the best whiskey in the world. Yeah. And the tradition of it being inoffensive, blended, triple distilled, only dates to the 1950s. That yeah. is a re- and it was only adopted because Irish whiskey, the whole industry was on the verge of dying out. Yeah. And it was a desperate survival tactic. But it was really previously only rarely double distilled. It was never blends. It was never inoffensive. It was very robust flavor. It was the best single malt in the world. Yeah. I, I love your, your story about uh, Jameson because, I, I, you know, I always knew that Jameson had something to do with the rebirth of Irish whiskey, but I, I didn't know the whole story. Can you, can you just please... Yeah, when... Um, Irish Distillers Company was bought by the Pernod Ricard Company. Pernod Ricard Company obviously has a lot of expertise in marketing products like cognac that require a very long production planning span. And they said more than 25 years ago, and they flew in experts from all around the world, including Dave Wondrich, 25 years ago, and they said, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a basic Irish blend. We'll take Jameson. Initially, it wasn't going to be Jameson. It was going to be Paris. We'll take Jameson. And it is going to be a brand in every speed rail, every bar in the world. And it's not going to be an that. Irish whiskey brand. It'll be a brand like Gordon's Gin or uh, Smirnoff Vodka. Yeah. And we will take all the money that makes and invest it in aging stocks for luxury whiskies like Redbreast and Middleton. And that's what they did. So they are, everybody who sells Irish whiskey should be very grateful to Irish distillers. I always knew that, you know, going back bartending 15 years ago, Jameson was, it was a thing. You know, it wasn't, not a great brand i mean it's it's tasty it's good but it, it just reinvigorated it just reinvigorated yeah. that that category of irish whiskey without that we'd have nothing the same way like bombay sapphire i i argue is a great gin but it reinvigorated the whole gin category there are people who look down their nose on it but if michel grew hadn't created bombay sapphire those 20 30 years ago we would not be drinking gin today really yeah and, and gin is a huge category right now holy hell even in uh, Ireland. I, Ireland, Scotland. Scotland, it's off the charts. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And um, it's finally starting to make a comeback in the U.S. So it's unfortunate that so many, so many people prefer vodka over gin, but we're, we're making headway. You know? Oh, definitely. And, I, and I, I tell people, you know, I say, it's flavored vodka. It's flavored, it, what you're drinking, gin, it's flavored vodka with uh, juniper. Right. <laughs> I think gin hasn't really started in the USA. I think it's going to be massive. Like, if you look at how it has been in countries like Belgium and Ireland and Japan and England and Spain, when America finally really gets into gin, it's going to be unstoppable. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Tales of the Cartel, what's, uh, what can we look forward to this year? Oh, uh, we're, we're, we're in the final stretch internally of agreeing the seminars. It's going to be 77 this year. Is that how many were last year? 62. Okay. Uh, and our, our all-time high was 84 okay. about three or four years ago. So I'm very excited about that. Um, with my new committees, we have put together some very strong committees. So myself and the tail staff are mostly just sitting back and mm-hmm. steering them and supporting them. Yeah. They, it, I've created a situation now where I'm there to help and coach, and they don't really need me, and they're bringing new ideas and perspectives. It's great. It's really, really cool. Awesome. I'm very, very happy. So are you bringing in um, different people that haven't presented before? You know that I always love going to tales and seeing you know people that I 
I don't know who you are, but this is amazing content. Like, I'm yeah. really excited to hear what you have to say. It's always, it's always the most exciting thing for me is to get new speakers. We aim for roughly a third of uh, seminars to have new presenters, moderators, panelists, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think we've hit it this year, especially with the bar in-depths and the 101s. We've got some tremendous speakers that most people won't have seen before. So what would you tell somebody who's never been to Tales? Well, I know it's going to sound strange, but I'm not in the business of, you know, putting people in headlocks. Uh, I think everyone should come to Tales when they're ready. Yeah. I think you should definitely come to learn. Like, plan to do three seminars a day, three, four days in a row. Because coming just to party, apart from the fact you might kill yourself, uh, is it, it doesn't make sense. It takes time and effort to come there. You need a hotel or a place to crash. You've got to eat. The seminars are the backbone of it. So make sure you hit up two, three seminars a day. And then put in some unstructured time as well because there will be so many events and pop-ups and parties and this and that. Go hang out at the Aaron Rose. Go hang out at the French 75. Go hang out at Jewel of the South and just enjoy this remarkable city and its bars and its bartenders. And I guarantee you, you know, if you prop up the bar for half an hour, so many people will flow in that you know or you'll make new friends and that will make Tales even more valuable for you. That would be my advice. Everyone comes to Tales when they're ready and when you're ready to come, we're ready to receive you. Yeah, yeah I guess you do have to be ready, but you, you also need a little push, you know. It's like, go. Go, you have to go. <laughs> and this is going to, I mean, it honestly, it changed my life. I mean, you know, the first time I attended Tales, I was like, this is something I have to do every I year. couldn't believe it. First time I went, I thought it was this, like, consumer thing. And then I was like, holy cow. And it wasn't even that big back then. I was like, oh, my God, I'm always going to come to this. And I've been to every single one ever since. I have to go every year. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, what, 20,000 people or something now, right? I mean, it depends something how you like count that. it. But, yeah, yeah it, it just gets more and more every year. And, obviously, that benefits the city of New Orleans and especially the hospitality community tremendously because otherwise July would be the month where you got to, like, dip into your savings. You're not making any money. And there's nobody and, there. And, and the reason is because it's so hot there. It's so it's hot. so hot. And the no, hospitality you know, industry just dies because people don't go there. Yeah. It's, it's the off-season for New Orleans. Like, it was conceived to help support, you know, not even bartenders and waiters, but, you know, chambermaids and valets and stuff like that, the people who maybe don't even make as much money. And, like, there's a real gap of a couple of months when they're not making any money and people yeah. are, like, you know, not eating as much or skipping their rent and stuff. It's not cool. I love that story about how, the, you know, it was conceived to be in the, in the off-season for that reason to help the hospitality industry yeah which is amazing so we're, we're all very excited about it the new headquarters is the Senesta that would be a whole lot yeah. of fun yeah, yeah. Did, oh so that, well that just around the corner from just the around the corner from the Monty uh, and obviously we'll all go and drink at the Monty own and there'll be events there too but the yeah. Senesta is the new headquarters people will stay there it's, it's been renovated hotel. it's a fantastic hotel fantastic. as I mentioned we'll be seeing um, Nick Dietrich and Chris Hanna's new bar Jewel of the South a homage to the famous Jewel of the South where's that? Uh, I can't disclose it. I, actually, I don't know the exact address. I think it's off Bourbon Street. Okay. But it's a homage to the bar that Joseph Santini opened, the guy who created the Crusta. Wow. Yeah, it's oh, a big okay. deal. Wow. I think it's, in fact, as we speak, by the time this goes out for sure, I think it's already been open for a couple of weeks. So we'll get big. Uh, yeah. And obviously those boys don't do it by halves. They've also got that great bar, Manolito. Cure is 10 years old. I know. 10 years old. Neil is amazed at that. Everyone else is. I'm amazed my bar in Amsterdam is 10 years old. So they're having a whole 
party there. Obviously, Cain and Table is a de facto Tails headquarters kind of a place. So look, to anybody doubting about coming down, I'm, I would only say, I'm never going to push you, but I'll say, look, it's worth it. Do it. It's so worth it. Do it. You know, I, it'll cost you a, couple, a grand or more. But At I least. mean, if you've never been... It, cha- it, it changes it's life your changing. life. Like the it contacts really that you make, the contacts really that you is. make, whether you are a bartender or a brand, whether you don't know what to do with your career right. or you want to meet people, it is life changing. Um, you know, if I stopped being director of education tomorrow, I would always continue to come to Tales. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for talking to us again. Thank you to Castle Brands for putting on this amazing event. Thank you, Castle Brands. And, and Liquor Lab for hosting us. This place yes. is amazing. You should come back and do an episode just on Liquor Lab. I, I know nothing about it. I've never been here before. They're going to expand. They have ma- massive investment behind them. And by the end of the year, there will be six Liquor Labs under construction in the U.S. There'll be one open in Nashville within about five, six weeks. Really? Oh, yeah, it's big. It, so it, it's basically an event space, right? Or- uh, a bar school. They Bar can accommodate oh, okay. up to 50 people aimed at consumers. In fact, my wife has just come on board as their director of trade engagement, so she'd be making sure it engages Elaine with Elaine Duff, <laughs> Mrs. Mrs. Elaine Duff, yeah. uh, to engage more with you know bartenders and brands and stuff like that. But it is it's a really great concept what they're doing here. It started off in sure. Chicago, okay. then they moved up here and opened this one. Now this is the only one, and they're going to roll out the other ones like demons. Like so consumers can come here to take cocktail class, bartending yeah, and it's kind classes. Of like a, and it's like a fun thing, you know? Yeah. Like team building, boom, boom, yeah. boom, up yeah, to yeah, 50 yeah. people. Right. You, you can see the setup here. It's pretty badass. It's badass, to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you again, sir. Thank you, Always Brian. a pleasure. Anytime, mate. Always sure. ready. Thank you. That was pretty funny. Philip said, if I were to stop being director of education tomorrow, I would always continue to come to Tales. Little did I know, he knew, that that was actually going to happen. I think he was busting my chops a little bit there. Next time on Bartender Journey, we'll talk to an interesting gentleman named Derek Elefson about the science of flavor. Don't forget about our sponsor, Cake. Go to trycake.com slash bartender and you can schedule a demo and check out, uh, find out a way to get 75% off that activation fee, savings of $750. So it's trycake.com slash bartender for our Bartender Journey listeners. Here's a toast. Friendly may we part and quickly meet again. Cheers. We'll see you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. I have made the highest degree of mechanical skill. My voice is the clearest, smoothest, and most natural of any talking machine.